Well, I invite you to take your Bibles, your electronic devices, whatever you may be using, and join me over in Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have a, a device uh, with you or a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Just grab that Bible. First book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, the passage will also be up on the, the screen, which I'll read here in just uh, a moment. We're continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we are going to go on as we go through this verse by uh, verse. I want to thank an anonymous person who after last Sunday's message thought it would be appropriate to put on my window a poster of hummingbirds. So when I came into my office on uh, Monday morning, there that was uh, for me to see. I found out who the culprit was. He's no longer anonymous. But uh, I, I want you to, to know, as we're going to see today, we need to have a sense of humor. Uh, Jesus had a sense of humor, and we're going to see that in the passage uh, this morning. So follow along with me. Uh, beginning with verse 1 of Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now we're going to jump down to verse 12. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This morning we're going to look at some directions that are given to us from Jesus. Years ago there was a Persian judge who had given a biased verdict. He gave that biased verdict because he had been bribed. When King Cambyses discovered what had happened, he ordered the judge to be executed. Then he had the skin flayed from his dead body and preserved. And he had that skin taken and covered the seat where judges sat in judgment that it might be a grim reminder to them to never allow prejudice to affect their verdicts. This morning, the first thing we're going to talk about is judging. Judging. Judge not 
that you be not judged. And the first thing we have to look at is the command's meaning. What exactly does it mean when Jesus says, judge not, that you be not judged? Well, first of all, it's clear that this verse doesn't mean that you are to never exercise judgment of any kind. You say, Butch, how can you say that? John 7, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking again, and Jesus said, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. See, the same Jesus that said, Judge not that you be not judged, says you need to judge with right judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, uses the, the same word that is used here where it says, judge not, lest you also be judged. And he says, the spiritual person does what? I right, say that again. The spiritual person does what? He judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Okay, this would be one of those examples where critics of the Bible would say, see, what we have here are verses that contradict one another. This is one of the contradictions that is found within the Bible. But there's no contradiction whatsoever when we understand what Jesus is saying and as it's spelled out to us in the context here of the passage. This particular verse... If John 3.16 is the most well-known verse, this verse, judge not that you be not judged, is probably the most popular verse in our culture today. Have you heard this thrown at you? Hey, don't judge me. Don't judge them. Everybody's allowed to make their own choices. All that matters is people be sincere and they believe in what they want to believe in. So don't judge me. Don't go preaching to me about the Bible says this or the Bible says that. The Bible also says, judge not, lest you also be judged. You're in real danger here, so don't judge me. Yeah, the world knows this, this verse very well. They might not know much else about the Bible, but they know judge not, lest you also be judged. Actually, a better translation of this, and really the translation I like the best comes from Dwight Pentecost who says this, do not criticize, do not sit as a judge upon another man's motives, do not in attempt to interpret the desires of his heart. See, Jesus is talking about not that we are to not discern things, because the same word that's used here for judge means to discern. It's also used to discriminate. Now, when we hear that word discriminate in our culture, boy, that has a real negative connotation, doesn't it? But we discriminate all the, the time. I discriminate when I have a plate of food and it has cooked carrots on it. I make a discrimination. I'm not eating those cooked carrots. Or Brussels sprouts. 
or probably almost anything that's good for me to eat. <laughs> but we make a discrimination. When you go to the, a restaurant, you discriminate about certain things that are on that menu. You don't order them. So the word that's used here is a broad word that means to discriminate, to discern, to judge. And it's talking about judging another person's motives, interpreting what they're thinking in their hearts. We don't know that for sure. The word in its text here means that it's something that we constantly do and it calls us to stop judging in a wrong way. It means to separate, to make a distinction. Jesus did not, as we're going to see from the passage, prohibit judgment on others. He only requires that our judgments be completely fair. And two, that we judge by a standard that we are willing to be judged by ourselves. Having a standard, if we apply it to others, that we will have it applied to ourselves as well. In the time of Jesus, the rabbis said that God had two measures by which he used to judge people. One was the measure of justice, and the other was the measure of mercy. And they would ask the question, which measure do you want God to judge you by? Then you should use that same measure with others. I know our God is a God of justice, but he is also a God of mercy and grace. And aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that when we will stand before the judge... We are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and we are forgiven and we are given God's grace and God's mercy. So when Jesus says, judge not, lest you also be judged, look at verse 2. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you see what he means there? It's explained in the verses that follow. Now, not only are we going to see the command's meaning, but we're also going to see illustrations of what is meant here. Now, the first illustration in verses 3 to 5 relates to a speck and a law. Now, yesterday, Barb and I were down in Columbus. Our, our grandson was playing. We went down there for a baseball game, and he was playing. And while he was out in the field, he got something in his eye. Have you ever gotten something in your eye? It, it really irritates you, doesn't it, to get something in your eye? So in between innings, his dad, who is a doctor, you know, called him over to, to look and see it was still bothering him, and he just felt like there was something in his eye. Now imagine for a moment, if Jason, my son-in-law, said, Brennan, come over here. Let me help you get that speck out of your eye there. 
It's ridiculous, isn't it? This is exactly the illustration Jesus is using. Actually, what Jesus was using was a board that's bigger than this. It says, one translation says log. Actually, the meaning is it was a beam they, they would use to help support a house. So Jesus said, if someone has a speck in their eye and you're going to help them get it out, first of all, do what? Take the board out of your own eye. Now, see, he's explained to them so they'll understand what it means to judge not, lest you also be judged. Now, Jesus doesn't say that the speck doesn't need to be taken out of your brother's eye. He's just saying before you attempt to do it, before you address it, make sure you don't have a great big tree growing out of your eye, which is going to keep you from seeing things plainly. So he uses this illustration of a log. Next, he's going to use the illustration of dogs in verse 6. Now, when, when we think about dogs, most of you are thinking about animals that look something like this. You know, you got little Fifi up there and... And I know you love your dogs, so I, that, that's good. That's good. That, that's what you think of. Years ago, we had a lady stop into the office to ask if I would do a Bless the Creatures event at our church. Now, I'm going to ask those of you that are animal lovers, please don't be offended by what I'm about to say. Okay, it's all in good jest. Please remember that. I don't need a bunch of letters, you know, about this. So they called me out of the office and she says, Butch, I got a book here. It's Blessed the Creatures. Would you do a service where we could all bring our pets and you would, you know, pray over them and, and bless these animals? And I just couldn't resist the moment. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, uh, there's really a greater chance I would reinstitute Old Testament sacrifices before I would, I would bless the, the creatures. And, and it, I don't remember which lady that was. So if you're here, I'm sorry. For, but she sort of said, oh my. She shut her book and left. Right, Jesus, when Jesus is talking about dogs, he's not talking about these things. He's talking about something that might look like this. Or something that might look like this. They were dirty, mangy, diseased animals. Not pets that people kept in their homes. And if you go overseas some, you'll find animals that, that look like this. Next, he's also going to use an illustration of pigs. And when he talks about the pigs, he's talking about dirty, filthy pigs. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, dogs and swine were kind of marked out as unclean animals. In the New Testament, dogs and, and pigs are often used to symbolize those who have rejected the gospel. 
These are vulgar terms to use of unbelievers, but it has a certain type of unbeliever in mind. Christ has in mind those who fully know the truth and reject it or profess the truth and do not live by it. So get the idea there? Look at what Jesus is saying about them. He says, do not, verse 6, give dogs what is holy. Don't give to those individuals. He's talking about what? Judging and discerning here. You have to make a decision. But those who are anti the gospel, those who are opposing the gospel, do not continue to give to them that which is holy. You remember when Jesus sent his disciples out, the 70, and he sent them out two by two? He sent them into villages, and if the village did not receive them, what did he tell them to do? Knock the dust off your sandals and go to another city. Jesus is talking about here when there are those who are opposed to the gospel. They're like these wild, filthy dogs. Don't give to them what is holy. And then he says, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. I borrowed my wife's pearl necklace here this morning. Now, can you imagine her reaction if I took these pearls and threw them in a pig pen? I'd be a little upset since I bought these for her as well. But, <laughs> but if I threw them to the to the, the pig, something I would not do. But if I did, you'd say, Butch, that's ridiculous. Jesus is telling those listening to him, use some discernment, use some judgment, and those who are just going to take the word and trample it under feet, it's like giving pearls to the pigs. I remember years ago when I was working in the, the car business as well as, as pastoring that I had a salesman and we had gone to uh, some type of conference that day and while we were in the car, we were, the, the subject of spiritual things came up. And this guy started asking me some questions and there were several of us that were in the car and something came up about this religious leader or that religious leader. And he said, do you mean to tell me if he doesn't believe the way you say that you believe that then he's not going to heaven? And I said, I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says. Unless this religious leader puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and as his Savior, he is not going to heaven. Regardless of what good he does, regardless of what his position is, there's only one way to heaven, and that is through 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So we get back, and we're in the workplace, and this guy starts walking around and very loudly starts telling everybody, hey, Butch said, and he used a certain religious leader's name, he says, Butch says this man's going to hell. That was not what I had said. But he was trying to create an issue. Was not genuinely interested in spiritual things. He just wanted to create an issue that he could get a reaction for people, get a reaction from them. And I called him into my office and I said, enough. It ends right here, right now. That is not what I said. And you know it. But for me then to go back and later that day or later and say, hey, let me share spiritual truth with you would be like taking pearls and casting them to the swine. Jesus is telling us we have to have discernment. That when he says, judge not, lest you also be judged. He's not saying don't show discernment. He's not saying not to judge. He is telling us to be careful how it is that we judge and we discern. Let me give you some examples of when we break this commandment of not judging. Number one, when we think the worst of others. Certain individuals that you know that whenever you hear anything about them, you always think the worst of them. When we only speak to others of their faults, that all we do is focus in on what they do wrong. When we judge an entire life only by its worst moments, would you like to be judged by your worst moments? Do you have some worst moments in your life that you can think of? Would you want everyone to judge you based on those worst moments in your life? Jesus is telling us not to do that. We are to judge others by the same standard we would want to be judged. When we judge the hidden motives of others, you can't look into the heart. You can't clearly see the motives of others. Only God can do that. And he will judge, and that's why he will be the perfect judge, right? Because he knows all things. He knows not only what we do, but he knows why we do it. He knows everything that motivates our action. And when we judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. Some practical applications for us based on Jesus' statement, judge not, lest you also be judged. Well, next, I want to jump down to what we call the golden rule. It's found in verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Now, nowhere in the Bible is this called the golden rule. 
That language of calling it the golden rule came about during the 16th and 17th centuries. It's called the golden rule because it's so reliable. It's such a high standard of purity. And notice what we are told to do. We are told, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do them to them. See, the golden rule, he goes on to say, fulfills the law and the prophets. Now, if you think about the law that God gave in the Ten Commandments, and when we did a series on the Ten Commandments, we talked about them. Some of the commandments relate vertical to our relationship to God. Other of the commandments relate horizontal, our relationship to one another. And what Jesus is saying here is that when we follow this rule of doing unto others what we would want them to do unto us, we're fulfilling the law and the prophets. Remember when Jesus was asked later on in the book of of Matthew, what's the greatest commandment? His response was that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like the first, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, in giving what we call the golden rule, is telling us that when we operate in this fashion, we are fulfilling the law and the prophet. Now notice the proactive nature of this command. You're not waiting for someone to do something to you so that you can do something nice back to them. That's how most of us function. You do something nice for me, I do something nice for you. That's normally how people function. But this is to be proactive. What would you want someone to do for you? Now think about that for just a moment. As you're sitting here this morning, what would you want someone to do for you? That's what we are to do for someone else. What what could that be? It could be a great many things. Uh, I'm I'm so uh, proud of my wife, Barb, several weeks ago, we were uh, out and we were in a restaurant and we had a, a waitress, and it's kind of unspoken just between Barb and I, that this lady, she, she was very nice, doing a great job, but it was also very clear she was needy and she was in need of some help. So Barb said to me, I think we ought to give her a good tip today. And so I'm totally in agreement with that. I try to tip generously most places that I go because I think it's a Christian testimony. And having a daughter who used to work as a waitress who hated to see church people come in to her table because of how poorly they tipped. And I've checked with uh, even other waiters, Christian waiters that I know, and that, and, and they confirm that overall, 
not indicting everybody, but overall Christians are very poor tippers. And it's a poor testimony when we are not generous. So I was going to be generous anyway, but I said, okay, uh, how much do you think we should tip her? And Barb says, she gave me an amount that was more than our bill. So it was over, now I don't normally tip over the bill. But I thought, you're absolutely right. This is something we can do because God has blessed us to be able to do it. And if we were in need, this would be something that would be a blessing to us. So I left her a substantial tip and wrote her a little note on the receipt. What would you want someone to do for you? Would you uh, want someone to bake you a batch of cookies? Maybe you could do that for someone. You know, would you want someone uh, to pay your bill someplace, the grocery store? Maybe that's something you could do in the name of the Lord. Would you want someone to fill in the blank? What could it be? It could be something physical, it could be something spiritual. But what would you want someone to do for you? Then go and do that for somebody else. That's what this golden rule is talking about. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Oh, that all men acted on it, and there would be no slavery, no war, no swearing, no striking, no lying, no robbing, but all would be justice and love. What a kingdom is this which has such a law. The golden rule. It fulfills the law and the prophets, and it's something we are to be proactive in. Next, I want us to see eternal destiny in verses 13 and 14. Jesus describes in those verses two gates, gate number one and gate number two. Gate number one is wide. Gate number one is easy to go down. It leads to destruction. Let that sink in. That's something we don't talk a whole lot about. But destruction is the future of those who do not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Eternal destruction. And Jesus says, many go this way. It's not a few. Many go this way. This is the way of the world. There's a wide gate there that they go through. It's an easy road to go down. They go down that road without knowing that it's leading to destruction. But the majority, many, go that way. Then there's gate number two. 
It's narrow. Jesus, in saying that this gate is narrow, is not really zeroing in on the narrow path as much as he's zeroing in on the narrow gate that lets you get to the path. And it is a gate that is marked by persecution. It is a gate that, is not, that leads to a place where you'll not be rewarded till the end. The true gate is narrow and it is difficult. For whoever is, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's a hard gate to go through. The Apostle Paul, in speaking about following the Lord and writing to the Corinthians, says, We are in danger. We are in danger every hour. I protest, brothers, but by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then notice what Paul says about himself. I die every day. This is a hard gate that we choose. But it is a gate that leads to life. But there's only few that find it. The majority of the population of the world is not going through the narrow gate. The majority of the people that have lived throughout the history of the earth did not choose to go through the narrow gate. They chose to go through the wide gate. There are many that go through that gate. The question is, what about you? Which gate are you choosing to go through? Have you, choose, have you chosen to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone? Because he is that narrow gate. And we can only have eternal life through him and through the sacrifice that he made for us. Notice what the passage says. Few there will be that will find it. I pray to God that you number yourself among the few and that every person within the sound of my voice today, will put their faith and trust in Jesus alone. We are all going to spend eternity somewhere. Where will that be for you? Well, let me wrap this up this morning. Which way are you on? The wide way or the narrow way? The wide gate or the narrow gate? Which are you choosing? If you've not chosen the narrow gate this morning, before you leave this place, come and see me at the front so that you can know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that your eternity is secure in heaven. Number two, for those of us that are believers... Quit judging the wrong way. 
judge the right way. Use discernment that we talked about in the passage. And number three, how wonderful would it be if this week everyone at Maranatha Bible Church practiced what we call the golden rule? That every single one of us would make a commitment that sometime this week we are going to do for someone else what we would like someone to do for us. I dare say it would make an impact in our communities. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us that we might do it, Lord. Help us to put our faith and trust in you to honor you and to serve you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.